Today's sermon passage comes from Galatians 1, 1 through 5. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Our great God, this morning I pray over this room that you would stir in us all a joyous faith that says, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. And so, Lord, I'm praying for those who are far from you to find their place in that story of Jesus today. I'm praying for those who belong to you but are hurting and wounded and broken to find their healing in that story of Christ today. I'm praying for those who belong to you but are are stuck and apathetic and just going through the motions to find their place in that story of Jesus today. I pray for our teenagers and our college students and our young people who are just confused and perplexed, wondering about this message of Jesus and this message that they receive every day from the world. How does it fit together? I pray they would joyfully find their place in you today. And Lord, I'm woefully inadequate to deliver this message. And that's not just some faux, humble preacher prayer, but Lord, I need you. I need your help. I need your power. I need your spirit. We need your spirit, Lord. We need your spirit. Spirit of God, please come and move, we pray in Jesus' name. So now that the room's quiet, I think I need to address that we were supposed to have a baptism this morning, and um, because of some sickness, we've had to uh, delay it for a week. So the running water sound you hear, it's running water. It's not like some ethic of, you know, background music of peace and tranquility we're trying to pipe into the room. It's just water, and nothing's leaking, so you're good. But I hear it running. So... Please take your Bible and turn to the book of Galatians. Um, Today, we're starting a new sermon series through the book of Galatians, which means we're going to spend quite a bit of time in in these six chapters of the Bible. And um, I think it's really important for all of us to hear this. Uh, a, A new book, a new series, is a new opportunity for us to be shaped by God and by His Word. Um, And so, I really don't want this to feel like Pastor Jamie's study in Galatians. I want it to feel like our time 
before the Lord to be shaped by what's written in Galatians. And so I'm inviting you there with me. Uh, So a a few things that will help us. One, be in this room with us regularly as we navigate Galatians. Number two, consume Galatians. I know right now you've all committed to a read through the Bible in a year plan and a new small group and you're memorizing some scripture with your families and like we all got like 19 things going and you're like, Jamie, the last thing I need is another commitment. Figure it out, okay? You can read the whole book of Galatians in about 18 minutes. So chapter a day, all the thing on Saturday night, however you need to do that, but let's, let's all together allow Galatians to shape who we are. If, if you want to really have some fun with Galatians, I would encourage you to read Galatians and the book of Acts together. Galatians and the book of Acts together. Because um, you'll see some of these missionary journeys of Paul and, and the book of Galatians has a little more um, historical elements to it than, than a lot of the other letters. But most importantly, would you pray this prayer? God, would you teach me, shape me, and mold me through Galatians? God, would you teach our church, shape our church, and mold our church through Galatians. And some of you that have been here for the last 12 years, you're like, Jamie, you say this at the beginning of every book. Yes. I I think that expositional preaching is an act of faith. It's an act of faith. It's saying we believe that God's going to most teach his people in the way that he wrote his word. So it might not be the most winsome. It might not be the most appealing. It might not be the most um, attention-grabbing. But the healthiest, steadiest, hope-giving, faith-giving way we believe to digest God's word is the way he gave it to us. So here we go. And that's why... We do this, and that's why I say the same thing every time we start a new book. There's a method to the madness. How long are we going to be here? I don't know. Depends what happens in the next 30 minutes. But we're going to be here, and God's Spirit's going to be with us. And I'm hopeful that great, good things are going to happen. So today, um, we're going to look at the first five verses of Galatians. And um, I'm going to try really hard to not give you one of those typical, stale, seminary overview of a book of the Bible sermons this morning. Um, so some of you who need your who, what, when, where, why, how answered before you can go anywhere, that's going to take about four weeks, okay? Because... The who, what, when, where, why, how of Galatians is actually all of chapter 1 and all of chapter 2. And so we're just going to take it as it comes. And if it's really that unsettling to you, give me a call tomorrow and we can do the full download, okay? Um, 
But today we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. Here's what we're going to see. Our knowledge of God and our relationship with God is a gift given by God. Our knowledge of God and our relationship with God is a gift given by God. So, let's take that in turn. Um, if, If you want to take notes, the first point is the sender. The second point would be the Savior, but the sender. And this comes from um, the first three verses here. Um, So what we're going to see is that Galatians is a letter written by God's messenger to God's church for the purpose of God's people being blessed. Galatians is a letter from God's messenger to God's church for the purpose of God's people being blessed. Um, So really in this point, what Paul says is he's writing because God sent him, and he's writing to these churches for their good. So let's just boil this down before we move on, guys. Have you ever thought that the reason Galatians exist is because God cared about the Galatians? The reason this letter was written and sent and read and heard and preserved was because God wanted these Christians to know him and know his ways and flourish and turn away from evil and walk in God's ways. So when Paul writes in verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah, that's how letters were started in the day, but Paul also knew that God wanted these Christians to walk in grace and experience peace. That was the goal. The greeting is the goal. The goal of this book is for God's People to know God's ways and walk in God's blessings. So how did God accomplish that? One, he called and sent Paul. So the passage begins, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Like those lights. Thank you, Kyle. We couldn't have timed that any better if we had tried. Um, can you come back at 1030? Okay, good, good. Uh, so God sent Paul. Now, now this whole not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ, like that's going to become a really important bit as we get deeper into Galatians. But for right here, do you know what that means? That means Paul saying, nobody sent me to you except God himself. So the story is, God sent Paul to be a missionary to build churches, and the the churches of Galatia were a place that he went, and he preached, and they believed, and he built, and then he left, and they struggled, and he wrote. All of that was the ministry of God to these people carried out through his messenger. 
So the word apostle simply means a sent one. And in particular, one sent by God himself. So God sent Paul. God raised up Paul. And Paul is writing as God's messenger to God's people. To the churches of Galatia. Guys, that simply means the churches of Galatia. There you go. Galatia is a region in the southernmost part of Asia Minor. Um, Towns in Galatia were visited by Paul in Acts 13 and 14. Derbe, Lystra, Iconium, Pisidian, Antioch. And Paul's writing to followers of Jesus and believers and churches in this area. And why is he writing? Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ. Paul's writing because he wants them to know God's grace, God's favor. He wants God's favor and blessing to be upon them. And peace. Peace that comes from God. Peace that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. A a settledness of spirit and the settledness of of who you are and where you are that only comes from the Lord himself. So friends, I'm here to contend to you that Paul's writing this letter to the Galatians because he wants, because God wants these Galatians to know grace and peace. God wants blessing for his people, which means this. God sends his word to his people. And God wants good for his people. So I'm begging you to study Galatians. Not so you can feel smarter, perform better in Bible class, or have better answers for small groups. I'm begging you to study Galatians because you believe that God sent this letter, like all the letters, for the good of his people. Which means God wants his blessing for me and for you and for this church. And what's in this letter will push us into the path of his blessing. Isn't that more motivational than a chapter a day keeps the doctor away? So I'm speaking to ethos here. God sends his word to his people, and God wants good for his people. And if you're in Christ, you're his people. And Galatians was sent to you for your good. Take up and read. Take up and pray. Take up and study. So God is the sender. He's the initiator. Second, the passage tells us that that God's the Savior. So if we want this grace and peace, where does it come from? Where does it come from? If I could say anything about the last 24 months, is I think 
grace and peace feel a little more elusive to us all today than they did about 24 months ago? Seem like a fair statement? So a fair question, where do we get this? Or from whom do we get this? The answer is very simple. Verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The grace of God and the peace of God only come through God, come from God, and particularly through the work that he did through his son. So what did Jesus do that brings the grace and peace of God? Paul's going to tell us. Now, these two verses, verses 4 and 5, intellectually, they're going to be really important in Galatians. But let's set that aside for a minute, and let's just hear the answer. Where does the grace and peace come from? From God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, Doing the will of the Father and bringing glory to the Father forever and ever. Amen. So what did Jesus do? The passage says he gave himself for our sins. Notice that our sins are assumed here. Our sins are assumed here. He just says, you're a sinner. Your sins are ever before you and Christ died for your sin and my sin and our sin. Sin is an offense to God. It's rebellion against God. It must be dealt with through death and Jesus died the death our sin required. Jesus died the death our sin required. So if we feel the weight of sin, if we feel the guilt of sin, if we feel, feel the fear of sinfulness, if we feel the shame of our sin, Paul says Jesus gave himself for our sins. In one sense, for every human, sin is the issue. But what Paul is saying is sin doesn't have to be the end of the story. Because Jesus died to take away our sin. So if we take the scripture seriously, then every one of us here today is, is sitting in your semi-comfortable khaki chair in one of two places. Before the Lord in our sin or before the Lord in his son who takes away our sin. I'm going to keep going. Because I think 
I'm just going to keep going. Also, he came to deliver us from the present evil age. He gave ourselves, he gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. Now notice what's assumed here. It's not so much that I'm evil or you're evil, but that the, the totality of the world in space and time is evil. It's broken. It's fallen. It's not functioning the way God intended it to. And that has consequences that hurt people deeply. Sometimes we hurt because of our personal sin. Other times we hurt because the world is broken. And fallenness is happening to us all around us. And the pastor says Jesus came to deliver us from this evil age. The current broken, fallen world is poisoned in such a way that we wrestle with the consequences of sin even when we are not personally sinning. And Paul's saying that Jesus came to offer us and give us a better way, a world redeemed and restored by its creator and redeemer who reigns forever. Now, friends, and the more I spend time with people far from Jesus, there was a day and a time where everybody knew God existed. Everybody knew that we would give an account to God. And everybody was struggling to figure out how to give an account to God. When I hang out with people outside of the church, I don't sense that anymore. Rather, what I sense is fear of futility. Fear of not knowing what's next not knowing how to navigate a world that just seems so out of control, just wondering why bad things keep happening again and again and again. And our scripture and our God and our gospel has an answer to that. The world is broken and it's evil. And Jesus came to undo the brokenness and the evil. So I I, I ran into this quote a few weeks ago when I was preparing for James 1, and I just couldn't find a way to work it in. And then I've been laid up with COVID for a week, and so I'm getting it in today, okay? But it works. It works. This is a quote from 1985 by a man named Alec Motier, and he's talking about this fallenness of the world. It's a little long, so so go with me. One of the frightening features of the present day is the widespread dependence on sedatives. Parenthetical, there might be some technological sedatives that didn't exist in 1985. The widespread dependence on sedatives to cope with situations which our grandparents would not have even seen as a problem. Ordinary factors like bringing up children, facing a tomorrow which is essentially the same as today... Problems of feeling trapped and bored. Problems of having time and not knowing how to fill it. The cynic would say that the problem, whether there is life after death, has been replaced with the problem, whether there is life before death. But essentially, it's the problem of finding meaning, which can be answered by a gift of wisdom from God given to those whose personalities are integrated around him. Or again, 
Widespread in society, there are breakdowns brought on by the really sharp problems of our day. People find themselves no longer able to face the grind of making ends meet, or they're dealt peculiarly peculiarly savage blows by the onset of disease in themselves or their family, and they have no resource by which to find their way effectively through such hazards. But again, there is the wisdom of God, which, however, is granted to those whose hearts confess a soul loyalty to Him. People astray from God are troubled. They have no inner or outer restfulness. So Motir says wisdom is the answer. What's wisdom? The way that God offers. Wisdom says the world all around is broken. It's falling apart and I see it and I feel it and it's breaking me. But Jesus came to offer a better way. He came to offer the path of the Lord's goodness and the Lord's blessing and the Lord's grace and the Lord's peace. Jesus came to free us from our sins and deliver us from the present evil age. It was the plan of God And it will be to the praise of God forever and ever. Amen. So first, friends, I want to invite you to this Jesus. If you're here today not sure where you stand before the Lord, consider this Son of God who came and lived and died and rose again to give himself to take away the guilt and the sting of your sin and to deliver you from the present evil age, to offer a way that's cared for and nurtured by him every step of the way. Would you consider this Jesus? And for those of us who say, yes, he's my Lord, would would we consider that there's more power and more hope in this gospel than we may realize? And would we consider that there's more joy and more peace in this gospel than we may realize? What I'm saying is, would you believe the gospel so much that you would run to the gospel in your hurting, your weeping, your guilt, your shame, your fear, your struggles, your doubts, would you run to the Lord and see the blood of Jesus testifying that God loves me, God died for me, God cares for me, God is eternally committed to me, and God will use me in his world There is power, there is hope, there is joy, there is peace in this Jesus. Praise his name. Now friends, as we conclude, this is our buzzword, the gospel. This is our buzzword, the gospel. This is that to which we cling and that in which we find our hope and that which drives us forward.